You are listening to the weekly podcast of Impact Worship Center in Mableton, Georgia. We pray you enjoy today's message. 14, John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Just going to read one verse until you're hearing. Father, bless us on today. Infuse us with the power to teach and proclaim this gospel. Your power unto salvation. John 14, 21, if you have it, say amen. Scripture says, and this is Jesus talking, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I will love him and will reveal myself to him. The one who has my commandments, the one who knows what my word says, Elder Laurie, and the one who keeps my commandments or do what the word says is the one who loves me. On this morning, as Holy Spirit shall guide, I'm going to teach from this theme and topic. Is there a God lover in you? One who has my commandments, who understand what my word says and keeps my commandments or does what my word says, he's the one, she's the one who loves me. Not the one who comes to church, not the one who can quote scripture but can't obey scripture. <laughs> not the one who has a form of godliness but denies essence of the power thereof but the one who knows the word and does the word so my question to you is is there a God lover in you I'm not going to take up or use one of my turn to your neighbors right now I'm going to hold that so just say to yourself pat yourself on the chest and say is there a God lover in me you may be seated in the presence of the power of God. I love you so much. Great job this morning, musicians, and everyone who serves on our teams. Amazing job. We love you and appreciate you. Is there a God lover in you? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This passage is the biblical anthem commonly used to compel people to come to Christ. It's powerful in that it both identifies and qualifies the deepest and most meaningful emotion ever expressed and experienced towards man, that being the love of God. Some look at the B clause of John 3.16, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life as the motivating factor to come to Christ. But I believe that the greatest motivation to come to Christ should not be the fear of death, but rather the revelation of God's relentless and unyielding love for us. God loved you and 
of great magnitude that he gave his only son for us. In the words of Sade, this is no ordinary love. <laughs> no ordinary love. This type of love is indeed superior. A love supreme. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The word so in this context is an adverb signifying to such a great extent, to such an extreme dimension. God doesn't just love us, but he loves us so much that he gave his only son. Someone say his only son. When something is rare, its value is heightened. When something is exclusive, its worth is enhanced. I think about some of the priceless artifacts and creations that, that yet marveled those of us who are alive today. Um, um, the pyramids of Africa, uh, the Mona Lisa, uh, Michelangelo's portrait or statue of David, um, the 105 carat Carnival diamond, also called the mountain of light, a 105 carat diamond. Lord, sister, that's some serious blame. The pyramids of Africa, the Mona Lisa, Michelangelo's statue of David, and this 105 carat diamond, so-called the mountain of light, all pale in comparison to the unblemished sacrificial lamb who would take away the sins of the world, the only begotten son of God. Not only do we see how valuable he is, but we also must understand the value that we have. So the next time someone tries to tell you that you're worthless, the next time someone tries to tell you that you're not worthy, you tell them, well, because Jesus died for me, I must be worth more than the pyramids of Africa. I must be worth more than the Mona Lisa. Y'all ain't talking back to me. I must be more than Michelangelo's statue of David. I am even more valuable than a 105 carat diamond because the most valuable gift ever known to man died so that I may live. So the next time the enemy tries to tell you that your life is not worth living, just let him know that the Lamb of God gave up his life so that you may live. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Jesus died so that we could live. 
Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I came to prophesy to somebody, during this season, you will no longer be satisfied with survival. You will no longer be satisfied with the status quo. God says he has an abundance for you. God says he has an overflow for you. God says he has a next level living for you. Is there anybody in this place? Am I talking to somebody over here? Am I talking to someone here? Am I talking to someone here? You have a newfound perspective of yourself based upon the fact that Jesus gave up his life so you wouldn't have to give up yours. Stop existing and begin to live. Stop complaining when you've been anointed to be a champion. How dare you be depressed when the joy of the Lord is your... Do you know who you are? Do you believe who you are? Are you content with the attention you get from the handicapped sticker that you put in your car? Figuratively speaking, some people are in love with the handicap sticker because it grants them special parking. But I'm going to walk into my miracle. I don't need your appeasement. I don't need your crumbs. God has prepared for me a whole loaf. And the loaf is going to be fresh. Ain't nothing worse than going to the store and coming home with some bread that is stale. So what you got to do, <laughs> you got to search beyond what's out front and get the bread that's in the back. Because <laughs> they're trying to trick you into buying some bread that ain't no longer fresh so they can make money on something that ain't truly going to satisfy what you desire. So sometimes you got to step beyond what is surface. You got to step beyond what other folk don't even have conscious of. But I teach my son, I teach my daughter, check the date on stuff. And some of you all are standing in line for goods that have an expiration date that's already expired. God has moved. And you still praying for something to happen that God ain't even in anymore. You caught that? You caught that? So, so, so the next, you try this. For those of you who go to Kroger and for those of you who go to Walmart or Publix, stop getting the bread in the front. Get the bread in the back. Check the date on that meatloaf before you get it. Check the date on that bologna before you get it. Because when you take it home, it's going to have a shorter lifespan because you wasn't paying attention to the movement that was taking place before your eyes. Oh, God, y'all got that for free. Y'all going to do something with that? Y'all going to do something with that? I mean, somebody say fresh peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Fresh bread. Come on, y'all like, whoever likes stale bread with mold on it, raise your hand. I'll pray for you right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. God 
loved us so much that he gave us his best, the rare and priceless gift, his only begotten son. Peep this, peep this. For those of you who think God won't do it for you, peep this. Romans 8 and 32 says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Wait a minute. He's already given you the world's most valuable gift. He won't give you a car. He won't give you a house. Uh-oh. He won't give you a conviction to be a better steward of the money you already have that can allow you to get a house and a car. Because for some of us, the problem is, is not that we need more money. We need to be a better steward over the money that we already have. See, y'all don't say amen to that kind of preaching because that kind of preaching requires that you do something. Or that you stop doing something. You ain't got to spend all your money. You won't have to buy a new pair of shoes every Saturday. I'm about to get in trouble. I'm about to get in trouble up in here. You ain't got to get your nails did every weekend. But there's a problem when what you have on your back is worth more than what you have on your bank account. There's a problem when you drive a Mercedes and park it in front of an apartment complex. There's a problem when you're married and you don't have life insurance. There's a problem when you drive cars on these crazy Atlanta streets and you don't have car insurance. And you praying, God, don't let me get stopped by the police. He ain't going to answer that prayer. You just being, you just being lucky. Do you hear me? God was not motivated to give his best because of a projected ROI, return on investment. God was motivated to give his best simply because of his love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Listen to Bishop. Can I just talk to you? Can I just, are y'all listening to me? One of the greatest disservices ever perpetuated upon the body of Christ was and is the teaching and preaching of a give-to-get gospel. A give-to-get gospel. In the give-to-get gospel, the proclaimer tries to persuade individuals to give primarily money to God so that in return God is stimulated, motivated, and even obligated to give back more money or some other miracle in return. A give-to-get theology creates a slot machine, scratch-off faith mentality, whereby one's motive for giving to God or giving to the local church that God loves is either greed, selfish ambition, or a financial quick effort instead of giving because of love, value, appreciation, a desire to help others in need, and a commitment to a God who is so committed to us 
Can I tell you something? God is not interested in spending a weekend with us in Vegas. God is not the host of Let's Make a Deal. That's Wayne Brady. God is not an investment broker who we can criticize and condemn if we feel he has not paid us a desired dividend. God is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent creator of the entire universe, and he owns it all. Someone screamed, God owns it all. He rules this universe with the power of his might. Heaven is his throne, and earth is his footstool. He is God, El Shaddai. He is God, Jehovah, the everlasting existent one. He owns it all. Someone say, oh, yes. He owns it all. God owns it all. We don't even own ourselves. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you don't even belong yourself. You didn't wake yourself up this morning. You don't belong to yourself. Psalm 103 says, know ye not that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us and not we ourselves, don't you miss it? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture into into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, being thankful unto him and blessing his name for he's good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all. Generations say, I don't even belong to myself. First Corinthians 6, 19, 20 says, do you not know? That you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. The shed blood of Christ paid the ransom that redeemed and reaffirmed the fact that we belong to God. Pat yourself on your and say, I belong to God. Come on, say, I belong to God. Say, with all my crazy, with all my peevishness, with all my pettiness. Oh, some of y'all petty, you ain't going to say it. Say, with all my pettiness. I belong to God. Am I the only one who has a tendency to act crazy on a, on a Monday morning? Am I the only one? Say, I belong to God. Even with my getting mad in traffic self. I belong to God. Even with my moody self. I belong to God. I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about just in general. Even with my sometime self. I belong to God. Okay, pastor. That's all well and good. You belong to God. I belong to God. We're just going to let it play, huh? We're not going to turn it off. Yeah, look at Bishop. I belong to God. Okay, Bishop, I know you belong to God. I belong to God. But what about the stuff? What about the clothes? What about these cars? What about this house? What about this bling bling and such things because many times we value things more than we value our life because we spend too much of our life trying to get things that we can't take to the grave with us what about the stuff bishop the things that we so casually classify as mine anybody ever seen a two-year-old walking around Talking about mine, mine, own nothing. 
bought nothing. Pay no bills, but always screaming, mine. That's what we do. The scripture says the earth is and the fullness of everything in it belongs to God. But we're so quick to say, mine. We have to settle this ownership issue. In order for our hearts to be ready for what's in God's hand, we must forever settle the ownership issue. When we settle the ownership issue, we can maximize the stewardship mandate that leads us to a life that is beyond blessed. Someone say beyond blessed. See, see, that's where I am now. Come on, somebody say, beyond blessed. Well, Bishop, what does it mean to be beyond blessed? The life that is beyond blessed is the life that has become a blessing. Is there anybody else other than me who can wave your hands and say, yes, I, I, I'm living that life that is beyond blessed because I am now a blessing. And I ain't just talking about my money. I'm talking about my attitude. I'm talking about the fact that when I show up, I bring faith with me. When I show up, I bring the right perspective with me. When I show up, I bring the anointing of God with me. When I show up, I identify the fact that I'm an ox and not an ass. Do I have any oxes in the house today? Do I have any oxes in the house today? Do I have any asses in the house today? Oxes, we love you. Asses, we're going to pray for you. But when I show up as an ox, I show up with my strength. I show up with my power. Everybody who understands that you have a strength and a power, and God wants you to have a positive perspective, stand up on your feet now. Oh, look at look around this church and look at all this power. Look around this church and look at all this power. Look at the correct perspective. Look at the anointing of God. Look at the faith that's in this room. Look at the people who don't act like they melt if they get caught in some rain. Hey, man, good to see you. And you didn't count it right. You're going to go to work tomorrow morning in the rain. Come on, talk back to me. Can I tell you something? People show up to what they value. Now, I'm glad you clapped your hands on that because you might not be able to clap on this one. People show up to what they value on time. I like y'all. I like y'all. Because even the ones who showed up late. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about right there. Praise God, why are you being delivered? <laughs> Y'all sit down, sit down. Bishop, just talking to you. The life that is beyond blessed is the life that has become a blessing. Open up your mouth and scream, I'm a steward. Come on, say it again, I'm a steward. As stewards, we have a mandate. A steward is one who manages or looks over the property of another. Can I teach this morning? Psalm 50, 10 through 12 reads, For all the animals of the forest are mine. This is God talking. For all the animals of the forest are mine. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains. And all the animals of the field are mine. See, now God is using the word mine. He says, if you were hungry, or if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. 
Because you can't do nothing about my hunger. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. So for, so for those of you who think that you have to give to God to help him, God said, you can't help me by giving to me what I already own. You give to me, and when you give to God, he says it helps you. Amen. God is not impressed with our possessions. God is impressed with the position of our heart. God ain't impressed with, you, impressed with your car. God ain't impressed with your bank account because he owns everything. He's more impressed with the, the position of your heart. When it comes to us and possessions, God is the owner. We are simply stewards. One who watches over someone else's stuff. The stuff is the byproduct of proper motive and proven management. Can I say that again? The stuff is the byproduct of proper motive and proven management. When your motive is right and your management is solid, you will have stuff, but stuff won't have you. Luke 6.38 NLT version says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full press down, shaking together, and make room for more. Someone say, make room for more. <laughs> Running over and pour it into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you receive back. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8 reads, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever gives or sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, don't miss it. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This scripture is simply telling us that investing in the kingdom is the best investment we can ever make. Don't you know that when you invest in the kingdom, God says you will reap a hundredfold now in this time and in the world to come. And he says the first shall be last and the last shall become first. If you want things to turn around in your life, try God. Look at somebody and say, neighbor. You tried everything else. If you want things to work in your life, try God. He never fails. Yes, it's true. When you execute the principles of the word, you will reap the benefit of the word. But the benefit should not be the motivating factor. The motivating factor should be your love for the one who made the benefit possible. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I love what 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says. It says, but as it is written, I had not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered to the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him on today? I said, do you love him on today? You can't even imagine how God will bless someone who loves him from their heart. I think about our children and how we give to them. How we give to them. And when they say thank you, 
And when they show that they truly appreciate the sacrifice that me and their mother makes, it wants us, it makes us want to do what? It, want, it, it makes us want to do more because we are loving parents. Now, if they were disobedient and tricky and trifling, we would really be inclined to provide for them the bare necessities. Because we're responsible for them because we created them. And that's why God provides for us at least the necessities because if he did not do that, he would give a hall pass to every deadbeat dad who didn't take care of the children they created. So he says, because I created you, I'm going to make sure you have bread and water. <laughs> but if you want to experience the abundance that I have for your life, I need for you to trust me. I need for you to put me first in all that you say and in all that you do and see if I won't show up and bless you beyond your greatest expectation. Why? Because you're proving to be a good child. You're not bringing shame upon your daddy's name. Come on, come on, talk to me. The worst spanking my baby girl ever got, and I ain't going to put on blast, but the worst spanking she ever got was she did something that could have potentially brought shame upon the name of our house. I said, your daddy don't act like that, your mama act like that, and you ain't going to act that because you came from us. Why do we act the way we act when we came from a God that is holy? Why do we talk the way, and I mean talking and not even being convicted about it, saying that you saved and cussing folk out and going to sleep at night. I mean, this is a new kind of, kind of saint we're dealing with. They, they, these saints, they, 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 I mean, they cuss you out and then come and lead worship. You ain't apologize to nobody. You, you, I mean, your neck just rolling everywhere. Just, but I'm believing that during this season, God is going to take us back to our first conviction. Where when we sinned, it bothered us. When our sin would cause us to lay awake at night until we ask for forgiveness. Now all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the problem is when you lose that conviction to repent. When you have grown comfortable in your sin. That simply means that some of us should thank God for the struggle. Because, because when you have a struggle, it, it, it means that you've not lost your sense of God consciousness. It, it means that God has not turned you over to yourself where you have a reprobated mind, where you don't even smell the stench of your sin anymore. There's a story told about two twins, one named Chris, the other named Chrissy. Chris loved when her mother came and changed her diaper. As a matter of fact, when she make boo-boo, she said, Mommy, Chrissy, Chris made boo-boo. Mama would change the diaper. Then she would run and play. But Chrissy, on the other hand, the boo-boo didn't bother her. 
when it was time for her to be changed, she would run and try to escape being clean. But she always wanted people to play with her. She couldn't smell what was on her. How many people in the house today? You smell with the stench of sin, and you've been in it for so long, you've grown immune to it. And you wonder why people avoid you. It's because they can smell on you what you've grown immune to because you've done it for so long without asking God to forgive. But I am praying this morning that God will touch your heart. I am praying this morning that God will give you a conviction to say, Lord, I am sorry. Lord, reposition my heart in you. I put you first because scripture says where my treasure is, my heart will be also. And when I have your heart, I know I have your hand. Amen. Amen. Is there a God lover in you? This is the question on today. When you give out of love, you feel no loss. When you give out of love, you feel no regret. The question I have for you today is, how do you feel after you give to God? Do you feel a sense of loss? Do you feel a sense of regret? Love for God is not an automatic occurrence of the new birth. Let me explain what I mean. I'll say it again. Love for God is not an automatic occurrence of the new birth. Just because you gave Christ your life, you recited the sinner's creed, you accept the gift of salvation, doesn't mean you automatically love God. When I met my wife, Latanya, I knew that I could love her, but in order for me to fall in love with her, I had to spend some time with her. I had to learn the intricacies and the intimacies of her personality. So love for God is the same way. It's not an automatic occurrence of the new birth or it doesn't automatically occur because you've been introduced to him. Matthew 22 and 37 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And when there is a command, there is also something that needs to be cultivated. We must cultivate our love for God. We cultivate our love for God. Here, Bishop, because I'm talking about your heart today. Because when your heart is right towards God, you don't have a problem giving God what's in your hand. We often have a problem giving God what's in our hand because our heart's not right. When our heart is right, God has our hand. But when our heart is not right, we keep our hands in our pockets. And you see this? I talked about this last week. 90% belongs to who? Oh, y'all so smart. He got it. 100% of it belongs to God. So the 90% that he allows you to manage, it still belongs to him. So who does 90% belong to? Oh, y'all saying that like y'all scared. Who does that belong to? It all belongs to him. All of it. Who does that belong to? Uh-uh. Who does that belong to? Who does that belong to? God, say it. Who does that belong to? Who does it belong to? He just lets you steward over it. Come on. 
Come on. And if you're using all 100% of it, you got problems. You ain't happy. Even if you can pay your bills, you ain't happy. Because the enemy has access to your seed. I'm going to stand right, I'm going to stand right here in it. Try God. Put him first. God says he gives you access to the land that remains and he wants you to sow or return the tenth that belongs to him. Who's it belong to? He says when you do this, when you obey his commands, Dana, he says he will love you and he will reveal himself to you. You are one revelation away from having your life totally revolutionized. Did you hear what I just said to you? You are one, and God says, when you give me your heart, I can show you my heart. I'll reveal myself to you. I'll wake you up at night and give you an idea that can change the history of your family. Did you hear, Bishop? There's somebody, thank you, Father. There's somebody in this house. God is grooming you to manage wealth. I don't know who am I talking to. There is someone in this house under the sound and the vibration of my voice. God is grooming you to manage wealth. Not because you want more money to go shopping, but because you want to be a blessing to those in your sphere of influence. Because, because world hunger bothers you. Because poverty and homelessness bother you. Mm. Because your church having a mortgage bothers you. See, God says, I'm trying to get seed into the hand of the sower. Is there someone in this house other than Bishop who is believing God for a sower's anointing? Because if you have been blessed with a sower's anointing, you will always have seed to sow. There's only so much bread you can eat. But you can never sow too much seed. And God says, I'm looking for a righteous conduit in the earth to transfer seed to. And this type of person doesn't have a cap on their giving. Well, Bishop, what is the cap? You know, anybody can tithe off of $100. That's just $10. Most people can tithe off of a thousand. That's just a hundred. Those who partially believe God can tithe off of ten thousand. That's just a grand. But oh, God blesses you with a hundred thousand dollars, and He says ten thousand goes to the church. Is that your cap? You know, you've reached your cap when you begin to ask too many questions. I'm talking to you. I ain't scared of you. I'm talking to you. 
But what they doing with the money? I don't. I need to see the books. I need to understand what's going. I need to. I, child, do you know? I don't. I don't. I went to the research strategy session, but they didn't tell me enough information about what was going on. So I just don't. I just don't know. <laughs> Ask your neighbor, what's your cap? I'm believing God that I'm pastoring people who have taken the caps off. God, I'm willing and able to go as high as you want to take me. I have no caps. I have no limits because you are a limitless God. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard, Scripture says. It hasn't even entered in the hearts of men the things that God will do for those who love him and for those who walk uprightly before him. Amen? Somebody said, give what God requires. Give what God instructs. Give God your best. Is there a God lover in you? Now, Bishop is just teaching for these next couple of weeks. Can y'all endure sound doctrine? Are y'all being blessed by this teaching? And like I said last week, this word is not coming to condemn anybody. Not coming to condemn you. Coming to correct and convict you. And when you line up and begin to do it God's way, you can expect to receive God's blessing. Don't buy into all this mess you're seeing on social media. The, the one bad thing about social media is that it's even giving fools platform. Come on, y'all talk to me. And you can't spend all your time listening to foolishness and you're not listening to or reading your Bible, reading your word. Come on, come on, y'all. Come on, the word is right. The word is right. I'll stand up to your feet. I'm done. I'm done. Are you blessed? Yeah? Grab someone's hand. Squeeze that hand. And say, I feel that there's a God love in you. John 14, 21, the text, the one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, Jesus says, and the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will reveal myself to him. If you want to provoke the God love in you, can you raise both your hands? Lord have mercy. We live in a culture, a society that tries to make us believe not only that we don't need God, but that there is no God. Scripture says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Thank you, Father, that we trust you and believe in you. If there's a God loving you and you want prayer today, you want that love to go to a new level for him, step out from where you are. I want to pray for you. I want to connect my faith with your faith on today. Come on, step out from where you are. Come on. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. I worship and adore Come on. I just want to tell you.
today for meaningful relationships identified marriages restored back to a place of love and respect increased faith for our best life righteous connections divine timing physical healing successful career change children coming back to you a closer personal walk with you financial stability financial freedom and wealth and deliverance from habits that hinder this takes place when we give you our heart. This takes place when we put you first in everything, in our service, in our self, even with our substance. We want to honor you. We want to love you. We want to show our appreciation for you. We thank you, Father, that this world is going crazy, but you have kept us and are yet keeping us in perfect peace. For that, we thank you. Every man that is here, every boy that is here, every husband that is here, every wife that is here, every boy, every girl that is here, I thank you that you have empowered us, not just to exist, but to live life, life more abundantly. You haven't just allowed us to survive, but you want us to thrive. It is your will that we be in health and prosper even as our soul prospers. You said, dear God, that you desire and you take pleasure in the prosperity of your people. And that prosperity is not just attached to financial wealth, but it means nothing lacking, nothing wanting. You desire for us to live a well-balanced life. Thank you for the food and the fruit of your word. We thank you that we are mature enough to choose and swallow the power of your word, allowing us to grow, allowing us to experience healthy growth. In the name of Jesus, we appreciate you and we value you and we thank you because there is a God lover on the inside of us. This, our, this is our prayer. We humbly submit it in faith and we say thank God, bless God, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.